This is the Business Tech Playbook, your source for IT help for your business. It has been so long. Like I know you guys get these podcasts every two weeks, but for us, we knocked out a bunch and then, you know, had vacations, had new customer onboardings, got sick, you know, name it. And now we're back to the microphone finally catching up. So BJ, it's been forever. I miss you. I, it's I know right. I, I was we were just literally talking, and I don't think we've actually recorded a podcast for like four weeks, which is about four weeks too long. Between traveling to conferences and I'm pretty sure you hacked up a lung. Maybe both of them. I'm surprised you're back and talking. All I'm saying say. is my voice is back now, and I'm ready for karaoke before Thanksgiving. Karaoke, the Christmas party coming up. So this is being recorded. Uh, wait, wait uh, what? A little bit before th- what? This is when you tell me there's karaoke at the company Christmas party. Oh no, I'm just saying you're doing karaoke at the company Christmas party. I'm not oh. saying we're doing karaoke at the Christmas party. All right, um, I'll, I'll bring. I, my, I feel like you're the person who stands on the table and I'll bring my email gloves and hair, and we'll do some Helena oh. just for you. Oh man, let's do it. Hotel California, let's go, baby. I'm your host, Rob Zolson. <laughs> and I'm uh, William Pote with ETOP Technology, and we're, we're here bringing you the Business Tech Playbook. And we have a really incredible topic for you today. So we're sitting around having a conversation like, what should we talk about next? Number one, if you're listening and you got something that you want to go over and you think would be a good episode choice, email us, right? Podcast at etoptechnology.com. Let us know what you want. But the idea that we came up with is uh, BJ and I have both been in interviewing scenarios where we've had to interview different employees. And we see a lot of people that are in the position when they own a small medium business that they just don't know what to say they just they need to hire an IT guy or hire a managed service provider like us and it's it's some of the same process you interview the guide for a job position or you interview that MSP to take over that job position so it's it's the same mm-hmm. hot seat and BJ and I have been in quite a few different uh, scenarios where people just don't know what to say they don't know what to ask they're not the expert in the field, and yet they're trying to hire someone that they believe is qualified for it. So we're here to give you a podcast to give you some pointers on what you should be asking in those interview questions, what you should be well, vetting out people in this arbitrary, you know, two 30-minute, two-hour sessions that you'd have for interviewing a person that isn't known expertise topic that you're you're vetted in. And and that's exactly like I'm really I'm a pretty technical person. I know my way around very well and i still struggle hiring people sometimes like i know what i'm looking for so i couldn't even imagine an employer or hr person that has no idea about technology looking for an actual technical person or dealing with dealing with a technical transition and the reality is that we were literally were just talking about this right before like the biggest reason we don't win a client isn't because they chose somebody else it's because they just don't know how to make the decision which is the entire point of this podcast and so our goal is to come up with some kind of key tips, some good ways to think through how do we ask these questions? What kind of, like, how do we find out if this person's not just a good culture fit, but can they actually do their job? So number one, start with, if you're looking for someone, whether it be someone you want to hire for a position or a, you know external company, you should be doing the same process. You should not be, well, if it's a company, I guess I'll just trust in their, their expertise. You should be vetting them out. You get references just like you would get on a normal Mm -hmm. resume for other individual. In fact, because they're a business, you should be getting much more details on those references than you would be as for a normal employed candidate. So step one, I would say ask for references. I think there's a couple of things. So like for, for an employee, I really would, if you have the option or you know somebody who's technical, have them assist you with creating the job description and have them assist you 
It's like we, we've even done interviews for clients that needed to hire somebody because they literally just didn't know any anything about the technology. Like they know how to interview and kind of get a gut feeling about the person, but they don't need they don't know how to ask the questions around. I heard somebody call it the speeds and feeds, but like the the numbers of IT. If you have a managed service provider, you know, pay them you know a couple hundred bucks for an hour to just help you build that job description and sit with you. That that's actually a very good way to do it. Personally, when we're hiring, one of my favorite things to do is have have the prospective candidate actually do a lab, like work through half a dozen kind of vague questions in our lab environment. And I found that. I can just by watching how somebody uses a computer, I can get a really good feeling of whether they're going to be a good fit for us. And I know that's kind of an ob- not objective thing, but at the same time, it's proven to be very successful for us. I got more questions on this lab. I was not per- participated in this lab environment because I'm a remote employee. But uh, am I expecting a lab test this Christmas when I come to California? Well, you're definitely going to get a lab test, but I'm not that kind. So okay. you're going to be going. To, you're going to be going to Quest. <laughs> going <laughs> no. to Quest. Some people actually use instance to put the test. What's the word? Prove the pudding. Put, oh, the proof is in the pudding. Proof or, is in the pudding. There you go. That's that's what I'm looking for. The proof is in the pudding. And what they do is they can actually hire a third party company and they can put a, a test exam. I've been through a company where they hire all different types of employees, all the way from C level to someone that's just digging a hole with a shovel, and they put everybody through just generalized company tests. They pay a third party company. They make sure that they can at least do basic math stuff like that. You can also do that with an IT person. So if they if you get someone that doesn't have certifications, doesn't have experience but they say that they're capable, well, then you can find a third-party uh, third party test. But rather than hire someone that's an unknown and trusting a third-party test, those references, again, that's uh, if you have a lab and you have that ability, great. But if you have someone that says, hey, this guy has done this for me many times, that should be a valid enough proof. Even if it's, what's the word I'm looking for? Even if it's not a company that you can call, you at least know a validation of that person using details like LinkedIn and even LinkedIn has uh, what are those where people validate that they've oh, done recommendations. this yes, recommendations is a great way to look into someone's profile. Well, I know that the second we start looking, I spend a lot of time diving into kind of that social side of life. We, I definitely dive deep into LinkedIn, Facebook. If I can find people, we definitely do reference checks on everyone. We do we do run our most everyone through our lab. We've actually been changing it to more of a capture the flag style of thing. Our last hire, we actually did it. in our space. They call it like a CTF or capture the flag, where it's go look for this thing, and then when you find it, you basically put it back into like our CTF system, and that capture the flag. Basically, we we can see how long it took them. We can see what information they captured did they find the right thing it helps us kind of see can they work their way through a problem and like at the end of the day the biggest thing we all need to take away from any interview whether it's with a person or a company is can they actually solve your problems so when you when you interview their references you know ask them questions like how did they respond in an incident was if that when there was an emergency how did they how did they handle it and then just listen because if they responded and kind of got chaotic and didn't it took them a long time to kind of get re, you know, recouped and solve the problem. That might not be the right person for you. But if they were like, no, they they solved the problem. They they were calm. And again, we recognize that people don't always tell the truth. But start asking questions other than like, are they a good person? Because they're going to say yes. You know, this is a person's reference. But if you start asking questions like, how are their communication skills? What does an email look like? How are you interacting with them? Like, how pleasant? How did they respond? 
So some of the interview questions that I'm looking for is I'm looking for a persona of troubles, uh, troubleshooters and persistence. So when I've been in interviews, I was asked this before, and I got I, an, an interview a job that I landed, and they asked, it was a very unique question. Generally, it gets like, oh, you know, what's your best attribute? What's your greatest weakness? It's like what I like to call softball questions. What you want is the real meat and potatoes. So I got asked, and it took me back for a minute. They said, what is the one job project instance thing you were working on where you kept working on it without ceasing other than bathroom breaks how long was it and what was that task of yours i'm like wow what a question and i luckily i was uh, lucky enough to sit back and go well i worked pretty near 50 hours without sleep this uh one project trying to uh emulate a game onto a uh, mobile device years before it was thought of and i got a cease and desist letter from uh from a company for doing it so nintendo it got me okay, the so. job you know what i'm saying it got me the sure. job but that you know question of someone says well you know i think i put four hours into something maybe they just haven't had the experience and that tells you something right there if they did say something it really shows the tenacity of the person that they're willing mm-hmm. to put forth the effort and energy to get to the resolution and resolve it so that is a knack that bar none i think a a technician should have one of the questions i really liked one one of our team asks this question is describe something complex to me around one of your favorite hobbies or things to do and it's a if they have no like no complex hobbies or it doesn't necessarily have to be a hobby but like explain something complex to me and then just listen to how their brain works through the issue the analogies, I, I really, the explaining like sorry, I'm, what? the analogies, the explain like I'm five. Mm-hmm. It's it's the exactly. open-ended question. It's the how do they think? A non-technical person hiring a technical person is going to have to suss out how that person thinks and whether they can solve problems without knowing if the technology is is accurate. Basically, like I could ask, we personally like asking, like, show us your latest PowerShell script, because. People are very proud. So PowerShell is a type of programming language for, it's a scripting language in Windows. And so you can use it for automation. You can use it for installing programs. There's a lot of things you can use it for. And so we specifically are asking, you know, people that we hire nowadays, show me, tell me about your last PowerShell script that you made that saves some time. And especially as we look at like process automation, like we're looking for people that have that mind, that mind that's geared towards saving time and automating things. Definitely the mindset behavior. I'm trying to remember, there was this famous quote from a company called McKinsey. They massive consultant company for all of the Fortune 500 companies and whatnot. Mm -hmm. They do tons of project management and they ask intentionally open-ended questions to the interviewee. It's not for if you get it wrong or right. It's 100% to show their their model of thinking and how they would tackle mm-hmm. a question. You know, you can tell someone to uh, go get you coffee, and when they stop and say, well, what flavors, two pumps, uh, is it just on Tuesdays, and they can't move forward? Or if you just said, get me coffee, and they come up with a creative thing. They go to Starbucks, they get their favorite coffee. Do they open a f- you know cl- uh, closet and pull out some Folgers? It just shows what their initial thoughts are, their, t- their first go-to reaction essentially to answer the question they know they have to have an answer and if they ask follow-up questions they that might show uh, what type of person you're trying to hire good or bad honestly i i almost always prefer when somebody has more questions for me than i do for them i really enjoy interviewing people that have that that ask me questions because it shows that they've thought about it a little bit 
and they want to know what kind of work environment they're getting into. Anytime I've not been asked questions, it's always been kind of a, whoops, maybe we shouldn't have hired that person. Championship Rubik's Cube comp competition. That tells me that that guy definitely has put in the time, effort, and has a passion about something, and maybe can be at least a little bit self-sufficient when it comes to uh, his own personal drive. Something I've come to learn as I've as I've been an employer and hired very technical people is that IT is something that has to be a bit of a passion outside of the job. Like the people that we've hired that are the are really like just far and above like the best typically are willing to put in the work out of hours because it's something that they enjoy doing and learning because it's, it changes so much that the eight hour day oftentimes just isn't enough to keep up with it. So are they ask them about their, their home lab, ask them like what kind of like off, off work tech, you know, tech projects are they working on? Again, your, your, your goal when you're asking questions is to just surface like their passions and like what they're working on outside that, that has value for you. And now put the IT person in perspective that you're interviewing. When he's sitting mm-hmm. down, he already is most likely, if you've got an IT person, they're not going to be like Rob's in the microphone. He's not going to be super you know, extroverted. He's not going to be out there and give you a lot of information. He's already putting under a heat lamp. He's nervous. He's socially awkward. And you're trying to get information out of him. So asking about his home life is not going to quite quite do it. Give them the opportunity, like, you know, ask follow-up questions. So, you know, what's what's something fun you've done recently? And if they're going to tell you, you know, some vanilla question, try again in another form because then they'll tell you about that super cool, you know, USB rubber ducky built to do a, you know, a prank on their friend that I talked about in a prior podcast. You keep your geese off my network. <laughs> Speaking of which... <laughs> If I'd known about Rob's and his proclivity for like, also as you work through, sorry, that was a really long pause, but something as, as you work through, like looking at hiring somebody, I'd really take a look at what their organization style is like. How do they organize handling multiple things at once? Because with IT, like there's never only ever one thing going on. Ask them how they would prioritize multiple, multiple things and just walk through it. And then probably ask the question two or three different ways. So that way you can see if what they're saying is congruent across the multiple times that you ask them. So I sit uh, down and ask people that, that same uh, derivative. I go, you have eight hours in a day. You have 13 hours worth of work and you have nobody to assist you. How do you prioritize your day? You're not giving them a lot of information of what those tasks are. You're just te- you're getting the thought process of, of what it is uh, that they would prioritize first. And when they tell you, hey, is anybody down? That would be my first priority. Two, am I slowing down or preventing anybody from getting anything else done? And they go down the list. Then you get their thought process of how they're going to be emergent to you with zero training. You're not telling them what the, what the priority already is. You just get their natural instinct on that uh, priority training. That's pretty crucial with someone in IT, especially when you have someone new that hasn't lived in the business environment and they don't understand that that one person in that one department takes down 10 people. They don't understand the impact of an individual and they already have the natural tendency to find out that's a golden person to hire. Well, and so much about IT is just incident management and it's dealing with potentially at any given time, 10 or 15 different things coming in. Like we, we've worked personally very hard to like minimize our overall impact on people, but in any given day, we're still dealing with, you know, 20 to 30 or 40 tickets a day. And so we're constantly just reviewing, prioritizing and understanding what's the most important and then sorting it and then working things in that order. And so it's just a constant, you know, reprioritization, re- understanding like what are we doing? How are we doing it? 
Can we do it better? And you're, anyone that you hire is going to need that same thought process. You know, uh, ask what they would do in the scenario. Hey, you get three requests. Where do those requests come from? Are you ready to answer the phone? Are you going to be do- documenting this? Uh, have those conversations and you know, ask them what they've done in the past. They'll, they'll tell you right away. It's like, well, I'm ready to answer the phone. I take care of issues. I drop on the drop of the hat. That tells you that that person has been in an environment where it's not a dispatch model, where they're going to be what I'd like to call a firefighter. They're ready just to take the phone call, deal with it, jump on it. And generally those people get the issue done, are focused on uptime, but don't have a tendency generally from bad habits from other companies of being proactive. So they'll just, they're just there to put out fires. They're not there to stop new ones from, from coming up. And red flag, some people in some companies believe that if they can continue having those fires happen, it's job security. And then they believe that they're going to get a better IT budget. They're going to get bonuses. That's really not a place that you want to be hiring into. No, that's a really good point because like if people aren't willing to say no, this, to me, this is very culture dependent at the company too. Some companies are very, we had a previous client that they literally could not make one decision unless there was a fire. Like it was not a fun company to work with, not because they weren't good people. They were great people, but like literally every single thing had to be an emergency to get done. And so like they they were dealing with a half a million square foot warehouse and, and like garments, like literally that entire operation was just like one fire to the next. Nobody stopped and went, maybe we should look at the bigger problem. And it's like, they never got budget until something was completely on fire. Like that's not a, like personally, that's not a really, like work shouldn't be constantly chaos. And so you want to have somebody who's got that personality of going, like, let's slow this down. So I'm like, well, I present things. They say, no, I turn it off on purpose and say it broke anyway. And now there's a fire and suddenly I get budget or budget approval. Whoa. Wow. Red flag. Red flag. Wow. So, yeah, finding a finding an honest person is is pretty pretty important. <laughs> to be fair, his company probably said run it into the ground, and he knew that if he did run it into the ground, eventually it would be an absolute fire. I mean, like I'm not defending too much, but like make sure that there's budget to keep things working. Like don't just don't just say sorry. You don't you don't get any budget, but you have to keep everything working with a 99.9999 percent uptime. Like have have realistic expectations of what people can and cannot do. Now that I got to say, that's got to be the the biggest learned behavior I've ever seen. Is oh, I only get approval when things are broke. Guess who's grabbing a hammer? Such a nightmare. Yeah, right. So other questions about security is you can like, how do you feel about security? Is the biggest softball pitch question. Oh, it's a, it's the foremost of <laughs> we my job. We should do that. We should really. I mean, that's you know, I that's all I live for security. Well, you should be asking of uh, you know. How he's how he believes password policy should be handled, and then he'll tell you, oh, they need to be you know six characters, a capital letter, and I wouldn't worry about it. You know, have him having him explain oh, to scary. you how he would do a password policy. You think it's something simple, especially in IT. You expect us IT people to ask, you know, I want a million character password. But when they sit down and tell you what they have for a password, well, uh, you know, set passwords. They get to pick what they want. This is this is a how often I would reset a password. You can talk to any MSP and ask for a real password policy, and that gives you an idea of the guy's experience and how he's handled security in the past. That's at least one easy lob that you can send in his direction. Something that you might actually consider. So our first podcast was about the five 
kind of pillars of cybersecurity and involvement with cyber insurance. Honestly, like what are what are four or five major things that you would do to improve the security of any company you worked at? And if they reply with like MFA, backups, patching, you know, and like, you know, firewall security, you know, like these are some things that are going to really dramatically improve your environment. Almost uh, any type of, you know, new uh, software deployment, hardware deployment, what it is, it's never going to be perfect, but you're going to see his mindset on how he tackled the project. And more importantly, he'll tell you the things that you're looking for here is that they planned it in a maintenance window that contacted the department and they planned a date. You want to see that he's not interruptive to uh, his work, number one, and you want to see that uh, how communicative he is with the vendor. Honestly, yeah, that's a good good point. I mean, we, we do project work constantly and so much of the, it's funny, a lot of IT people actually bring in an MSP to do that project work for them because we are seeing, we're seeing things on the daily, uh, daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis. Like we're do, we do domain migrations and we do tons of these things on a, on a monthly basis. And so we're comfortable with dealing with that change and project managing it. But like an in-house IT person, like they might only do a server upgrade every five years. And so like, there's just, honestly, one of the, a valid answer might be I'd work, I'd look for a consultant to come in and help me manage this upgrade because it's something that I don't do every day. That's actually a really good answer. Yeah. Having them say that, you know, this was above my skill set, and we leaned into a, a vendor to help is not a negative on that interview at all. You, normally on paper, you think it is because you want that guy to be able to handle everything, but seeing that he's willing to stop ask questions and do it right is gold. So we, we see these things constantly and we still lean on vendors for help. Like we have a client who's going through a big ERP upgrade. Like we're experts at keeping their environment running, but like we're having to rely heavily on their ERP vendor to do the actual line of business upgrade because we could probably do it. Well, let's be honest, like based on how this project is going, we probably could have done it and it would have been smoother, but that's beside the point. But like at the end of the day, like we lean very heavily on their line of business vendor because they have the ties with the actual software developers. They have they have very close ties on these things. They're doing something because that's all they've known or they found a creative way of doing something else. So try to capture that person's request is what you're looking for in an interview and seeing how they could even adapt process improvement to the rest of the department. Well, and, and that's the other big thing that you're looking for is like, Ask them how they changed the nature of their last job. Like, what have they done as a process improvement? Like, what changes have they made or helped implement to help move things forward and make it a better workplace? Because, again, you're looking... Like, IT folks, in general, in my mind, really are very driven to improve things. Like, as long as you're not lazy. Like, in IT, there's always something to do. Even if there's not a ticket or a fire directly in front of you, like we could be improving documentation. We could be improving an automation script. We could be like figuring out how to better on and offboard or better on and offboarding checklists. Like there's so much we can be doing, even if there's literally nothing to do. So ask them how they improved their last place of work. I'm proud to say that at, at ETOP, I've been here now this December, one year. And in that amount of time from the initial training to even now, it, the entire processes that we've done continually evolve. We'll get it so so much so that they they could risk change fatigue, but the documentation and the training that we get really show that we're willing to adapt. Honestly, and I'm proud <laughs> oh, of it. Man. I know I know you. Me I too. said that because you hate the term change fatigue, but I'm I'm happy we we make those changes. And honestly, if I wasn't a year in, and if it wasn't uh, you know 
like this, I, I would not love my job to the point I do. That's oh, the man. difference between we, E-top and E-bottom. <laughs> yeah, right. We're, try, we're trying to be E-top, and it's like we, we have this constant... We very much live the like Kaizen continuous improvement mindset, but man, sometimes it's like I'm the owner and I love change. Here's how we're going to organize things. Here's how we're going to train things. And like internally, like I look for people that want, want to improve our, want to improve our business because if they're not used to change and moving and getting better, they're really going to struggle here. So softball question you can give them is how, how do they handle change? If they tell you if it's not broke, don't fix it. Not the person I'm looking for. If they, they tell you that that's part of every day, I don't expect to be doing the same thing in six months, is brilliant attitude. Change is not easy for anyone, but there's a difference between you know change fatigue and positive change fatigue where you're sitting back and going, man, that's a lot of effort. I'm not getting anywhere. That feels real bad. That means you put in all of this change. Your operations didn't improve anything. But when you sit back and go, hey, my end users, my customers have all these efficiencies, all of this clarity, all this extra communication, everything is going in the right direction. That change fatigue feels just like a new muscle. It's, it's a completely different experience. And there, find a creative way to ask that that fits your business model. Just asking how do you feel about change definitely is a softball question, but you'd be surprised in the answers you get. Well, exactly. I mean, it's a... It's very much ongoing. There's going to be change in any industry. Uh, we found that something that we found personally is that people that are good as an internal IT person are not necessarily a good fit for MSPs or a company like ours. So MSP is, again, just a managed service provider. But our, we're dealing with 30 different environments or 30 different clients in any given day or any given week. And so you have to be able to task switch crazy fast. And you have to, you know, keep the context of like what's happening with this customer, what are we doing, you know, who's so it's a lot of fun, but you have to be you have to be very comfortable just having a fast pace. A lot of internal IT people are like, you know, MSPs are grinders, and it's like, well, okay, yeah, we do grind hard, like we're constantly working. There's never not something to do. But a lot of it comes down to but but it's also a very good way for us to educate people. You'll be in a meeting and be like, you know, I wonder how we can handle that. And Jamie will at the tip of the hat saying, here's a document. I have it set. And by the next very next day, it'll already be up to date because that her passion is making sure that we have great communication and documentation. It's such a fun person to work with. She's incredible. Yeah. If you you even made her her own logo. Yes. Jamie Johns. (laughs) Jamie Johns, because she's (laughs) freaky fast. Freaky fast documentation. Yes, exactly. freaky fast documentation. So if you are having a, if you're a small shop and you're trying to find that one IT guy, communication is a first and foremost because he might not be there forever. Nothing, nothing is completely forever. So it's nice to have documentation for other help in case he leaves. But more importantly, you don't want to live under a silo where everything's, you know, with the responsibility of Brian and IT. You want to be able to, Brian's out sick for the day. Guess what? We need to work. And I need to give this to a vendor. I need to do it myself. Whatever needs to get done, you need documentation. So Brian's brain is on paper. Well, and that's it. Like, so one of the biggest things we work for internally at ETOP is to stay away from tribal knowledge. What is tribal knowledge, you might ask? The way we treat it is something where if Rob's, heaven forbid, wins, well, okay. Wins the lottery. Everybody says. I I totally switched uh, like uh, reasons Rob's wouldn't show up for work tomorrow. Everybody Um, used to use the analogy through for years that got hit by lightning. But that's yeah. just too dark. So the Step case Rob wins the lottery and doesn't need to work anymore. Well, and that's exactly it. So like if Rob wins the lottery, 
and, it, and like I never can get a hold of him ever again. How are we going to handle issues that only Rob's knew about? Do we have a culture of documentation? Is there a place for them to store it? Like we use a documentation tool where we have gl- a global knowledge base. We have all of our clients, all of our clients' documentation. We have their knowledge base tied to their articles. Set up like what kind of mentality they have. And like, and again, so much of this is what you're trying to figure in, you know, two 30 minute or two 60 minute, you know, conversations. And it's literally just how do we, we're trying to give you enough content. So that way, as you're going through and interviewing somebody or a provider. So a lot of these questions should be asked of a provider. You know, something I've noticed as I've been doing the sales process a lot is I really, I'm trying to show our culture and what type of company we are to our prospects. Because if our if we align, we're going to be a good fit. If we don't, I want them to run away as fast as possible. Because, you know, if we if we have a good culture fit, even as even company to company, it's going to be a way better relationship. So, it's it's not an easy thing to do. Honestly, if you want us to help you do interviews on technology, reach out to us, like we'll figure out something. If you don't have somebody that can help you with it. Now, Rob's the- gets to interview him. Uh, absolutely. All right. So, so <laughs> one little tangent, one little tangent in yesteryear, right? I uh, mm-hmm. picked up a, a quick job to appease my wife. She told me to pick her the business and now I'm married to her. So you see how that went. So <laughs> I, I, I sold my business entities many, many years ago when I was young and got the first job just to get her off my back, uh, which was Walmart. Of course, immediately I went through the process, became a manager at Walmart, and then of course had delightful interviews. So I I just wanted to have a quick giggle at the end of the podcast here. My One Please. of my favorite interviews, I'm sitting down with an individual, and he looks well enough clean cut. I'm sitting there doing the interview process, and at Walmart, you're not allowed to have a ton of creative questions. You have to go through the Walmart script. So I'm sure. asking lowball questions that corporate Walmart has to have, and I ask, you know, tell me something that you're good at. You know, so it was something lowball. He just leans in and looks at me and goes, next? I'm like, wow. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't think I heard you. And he said, pass. I'm like, that's answered any question. They would have forced me to hire him. But because he passed the questions, that's how he didn't get hired at Walmart that day. How bad of a possible potential employee do you have to be to not get hired at Walmart? He could have literally, I mean, <sighs> virtually in that situation, he could have told me that he had picked his toes and he, I mean, he might've passed. You know, as long as it's not something harmful or, you know, if a oh hate, hate filled question, amazing. he would have been hired. But he just said pass. So, ain't, ain't happening on my watch. That's hilarious. Something else, and this is, com- this is a little bit off topic, but our last couple of hires have actually been from very non-traditional sources. Oh, that's so, pretty valid to this podcast. So, if you're looking for you know, something, that, that, don't just go to monster.com uh, or whatever the kids use nowadays. Indeed, ZipRecruiter, LinkedIn. So... Like our last hire was a part-time project engineer. He posted on Reddit that he was looking for work and happened to be in Southern California. I called the guy. He seemed really, he had a really good, like I had a really good gut feeling about him, but then we ran him through our CTF capture the flag lab and experiment. And he did all of them in like 15, 20 minutes. And when one of our engineers is like, that guy's, he's got it. And we're like, Cool. And and now he now he's an employee. Like Rob's came from a Discord. Like, you know, we have we have three three current employees that came from the same Discord channel. And it's it gave me a chance to get to know people ahead of time before hiring. I'm pretty sure it was MSP Geek, but we were we were actually mutual on like three different servers. It's MSPs are us. MSPs are us. There you go. Shout out. 
I know you you posted yeah right yeah shout out to MSPs RS don't go there unless you're an MSP it will you're gonna find uh, the things you didn't want to know the interworkings um, of nerds yes yeah right it's 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 a dark and scary place <laughs> but <laughs> all the community IT professionals that get together to uh, share information and it's a, a great networking group that those are places where you're gonna find real professionals and they have spots in the area where people are saying, Hey, looking for a job, you know, I did. Well, and that's, and that's it. I mean, so I actually, one of the things, so I was at the conference last week and one of the things that they said, and obviously this was aimed at MSP. So companies like us, but they're saying that we need to create talent factories. So it, it was just a really interesting idea where it's like, and I also talked to somebody a bit before that where it was like technology apprenticeships. Like you want to get somebody, you want to get people trained in, and give them experience. And obviously this is going to be aimed at more IT focused companies or companies with a bigger, more established IT department where they can do that training. But that's the other thing is if you find somebody who's the right fit and willing to really go out on a limb to try to figure it out, that might be a really good hire because they are willing to spend, you know, every spare second of their time, like learning. And I know that internally, one of the big things we're going to work on is we're going to really just create like a talent pipeline where we start hiring people into our lower positions and just really focusing on training. Like, and we don't, I don't even know how this is going to turn out yet, but like within two years, like this has got to be something that we're doing because I need to be able to hire people that have the right attitude and train them in, you know, right attitude and right aptitude. Can't, do they get it? Do they want it? And can they do it with a little bit of education? So again, apply this to, if you're going to hire an individual or apply this to a managed service provider. And I know that when you're asking these questions, you should be asking not the salesperson of an MSP. That's the foot in the door. You should be asking these people to, you know, the manager, the owner of the MSP, because he's the one that steers the ship. If you're trying to get these questions answered and you're asking somebody on the outside or that isn't in control, there's no way to really validate those questions. And any manager or MSP owner unwilling to answer these questions because they don't have the time isn't the person you want to be talking to. Interview process, if you can do an hour twice with a person for an interview, there's no reason that a C-level person... And there's a lot of ways that we can work together to really maximize your business. I came to ETOP. Hey, uh, what do you? What, what's your background in firewalls? Well, I got, you know, A, B, C, and D. I'm like, well, we're on F, a different brand called F. I'm like, I've heard of it. I've seen it in the field. I've troubleshot it like twice. Would you be willing to get trained in it? Absolutely. In fact, I figured that's a prerequisite of getting hired. It should be part of the conversation that you'll have with some of your tools. If people are going, well, I, it's not my favorite, but yeah, I'll, I'll do it. That's showing the motivation they are to try to learn something new. Exactly. Well, I, say, I think we say all of this to say there's a lot of ways to figure this out. Actually, one of the other ways is if you don't have the time or the knowledge to figure this out, really take a look at some, some of the different staffing companies like VAR Staffing, Robert Half. They, some of these companies have really strong technical sides where you can tell them, hey, here's what I'm looking for. And then they can kind of interpret what you have and what you need and then go do some hunting. Like, it may, it's not going to be perfect, but they also have some skin in the game to make sure they find you the right person so that way they get their commission. So that, that could be another way for you to also find that proper technical talent without... And some of them even have what they would call a bench. Like they have somebody they can put in your environment. You can find out if you like them. And if they do a great job, then you can hire them, that kind of thing. So it's another another way to hire that that deeply technical person without necessarily having the knowledge of how to hire them. Well, if you're looking for someone, you can find us, 
etoptechnology.com. We're here to help you. If you're, we're kind of good. I mean, we'll work and outside the Redlands area as well. But you, I mean, you just got to call BJ and see see if that'll work out. Yeah, that's right. So I will say, for if you're in the Southern California area, or we we very much could be the right fit. If you're not in the Southern California, still reach out. We might not. We might not be a fit, but we probably know somebody in your area that is good. And if you just want to make fun of us and send us, uh, you know, hilarious gag gifts, we accept those too. All right, we're starting well, to wander, but we we appreciate you listening. If you made it all the way to the end here, hire that uh, that new person and hire or correctly, hire or hire us. <laughs> Until next podcast, <laughs> see you later. <laughs>